the zero touch leasing became a word with the COVID. And we've been doing this for three plus years, at least. And the concept is the tenant or applicant, the applicant never has to come to the office. Nobody ever has to meet the applicant. And the applicant never uh, has to really interact with the office in person. Welcome to the Property Management Brainstorm Show with Bob Preston. Bob is the CEO, owner, and broker of North County Property Group, the fastest growing and top-ranked property management company in San Diego County, California. This podcast is for property managers and real estate investors who want to stay on top of leading trends in managing their property assets. You'll hear from leading professionals on the best practices for growing your property management business, successfully renting your properties, and how to make sure your properties are managed correctly. Now, here is your host, Bob Preston. Well, 2020 was quite a year in the property management industry. I don't think anyone would dispute that. And for many property managers, it's great still to be standing after all the challenges presented from the COVID-19 pandemic. Well, here we are in Q1 of 2021. Maybe you're in the midst of your planning for your business for the year, whether that's as a property management company or a do-it-yourself landlord who's planning for their property assets. It's also conference season. We have the CalNARPM conference coming up later this month, broker owners coming up in April, and the property management mastermind conference all coming up. No better time to be pondering the business opportunities available in the property management industry as we move forward through 2021. On the show today, I have with me a guest, Brad Larson, broker owner at RentWorks in San Antonio, Texas. Brad will be on the expert panel at the Cal NARPUM conference coming up March 11th through 12th, and he's hosting his own PMMCon May 20th through 21st. He's a guy who's very plugged into the industry, so we're going to be talking today about some of those great opportunities in the industry that are there for the taking. Hey, Brad, welcome to the brainstorm. Thanks for having me, Bob. Appreciate you uh, taking the time to, to work this out. We can get our schedules together and make this happen. Yeah, absolutely. You're a well-known guy in the industry, but it's always great to get our guests to kick the show off by introducing themselves. So I'm hoping you'll do that too. Tell us about you, your PM business, and maybe a tad about your conference coming up in May. Sure. So uh, as they say, I have a perfect face for radio, so I'm glad we're doing a podcast on this thing. <laughs> Uh, it's, it's a, especially with a bald head, I have to, uh, you know, I don't want to blind your audience necessarily on the video side, but yeah, I got a lot going on here in the San Antonio region. I'm a real estate uh, broker, property manager, uh, property management company owner here in San Antonio. We've been doing this for you know, eight, nine years, and we built it up to about 900 plus single family homes, just residential focus only. Uh, got a really good business working. It you know, can run itself. We have good leadership in place. And so that's allowed me to go out and do other cool ventures, uh, such as creating the property management mastermind conference. And that's been one of my main focuses here recently. And of course, you know, we're all keeping a very close watch on what's going on in the COVID world, which is influencing the conference world like no end. And everyone's just kind of chomping at the bit to kind of get back to to normal. So that's a little bit about us here. Oh, and by the way, I got to tell you a story. We were talking pre-show. So we just had a giant storm here in South Texas and giant for us is we had three, four inches of snow and we had some freezing temperatures for four or five days and power was rolling. We had rolling blackouts, you know, and we were like pioneer folks there for a little while, Bob, yeah. I got to tell you. And we were chopping wood and carrying water. Like we were like 1800s. Unbelievable. <laughs> 
Man, so you came through it. The state's kind of back online. You guys have power. You have water. Yeah, we're all coming through it. But I can tell you, the the pool guys and the plumbers, they're all running around like like kings right now because uh, they're such in high demand to make these repairs, to get this pool fixed, to get that pipe fixed in the house. Uh, it's just a lot of insurance stuff going on, too. So, you know, it, it's not back to normal, but, you know, it will be. And it could have been worse. I mean, it wasn't like a tornado or a hurricane where people, you know, really got hit hard. But it was just a, a bad situation altogether. And so we're just recovering as we go. Yeah, we were chatting before we started here in California. Of course, we've got heat and wildfires. Hey, I don't know if you remember the first time we met, but I do. <laughs> it was at the PM Grow Summit here in San Diego. Mm-hmm. And we ended up coincidentally just sitting next to each other at lunch one day. And we started, you know, kind of exchanging pleasantries. And I had listened to some of your podcasts. So I know who I knew who you were. You didn't know who I was. And I mentioned, oh yeah, I just started my podcast. And you were like, oh, you know, focused right in, like so interested in hearing the details of the podcast. You know, forget about your business. Forget, you know, like you want to hear about the podcast. And I'll never forget that. And so it's kind of cool. Here we are, I think three years later. I think I believe that was in 2018. Got you on my show. So hey, thanks for coming on. No, I think anything that's going to go on in the industry to put information out there, to put lessons learned out there is fantastic. And I was obviously trying to help you out. I think at least that was my mindset at yeah. the time. I was like, well, let me see if I can give him some tips to where he can make it a really good show and it helps the entire industry. So I, that was my mo- my motivation. I thought it was breakfast, by the way, but you know, it could have well, been, been breakfast. I can't remember. Yeah. 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 I do remember that because you're wearing a really fancy jacket. And I'm like, oh, this guy's so fancy. He's from California. He's wearing a jacket. <laughs> I don't remember that. But uh, anyway, it was it's kind of fun. Hey, so last year, uh, 2020 was pretty much a time warp, very strange year. I know at my business, we had tons of plans, growth plans. We wanted to start some new initiatives and had lots of goals, many of which had to be tabled for a period of time, right? Because of the COVID crisis. So here we are, 2021, we're chomping at the bet to get going, right? We want to see what we can do, what opportunities are out there that we can work on. You talked to a lot of people in the the industry. Is that a common theme you're hearing out there? Oh, absolutely. A lot of us have had to regroup and kind of start over because you get going into that mid-March, April timeframe and all of a sudden, bam, it hits you in the face. So all those initiatives that you had put together for 2020, all got put to, put to the back burner. And then it all became about PPP money and making sure you can survive. And okay, there's an eviction moratorium going on and I can't charge late fees and I can't evict people. And, and all these government dictates were coming down to include having to work from home and, and all these different things that, that really kind of hit some of us uh, square in the jaw in a big surprise. Now, a lot of us came out probably better than they went in. Yeah, And so if you want to think about that side, I mean, I know it's bad. We have a half million deaths. It's never a good thing. Of course, I can't understate that because that's just really bad. But the other side of this is uh, as a positive person, I always try to look for the positive thing in this. And, you know, we were able to take and use good use of that PPP money and reorganize the business and compensate our employees and keep everybody on. But we also all in the industry sort of kind of learn how to work from home, how to work remotely how to do things without having to be there in person, such as all of a sudden everybody wanted to do online applications yeah. and all of a sudden all wanted to do online payments. And, you know, they had all these different things. They all of a sudden wanted to do uh, like zero touch leasing as another one. Mm-hmm. They want to do it that to where, you know, a year prior, they're like, no, I'll just do my way. And that's it. I'm good with that. But when forced to, it really did start to change the industry. And it made a lot of people step into a different era of doing business. So we're seeing that as a whole to where 
uh, it's it's elevating the industry as you know as a conglomerate to make it look better and act better and plus just have better systems in place. And that's, that's kind of a neat thing that came out of that whole deal. If you have to look for at least one positive. Yeah, no question. We're going to get into talking about some of these individual opportunities here in a, in a minute. But one of the things that we had been working on for quite some time was the self-showings. And we had some owners who were reluctant to go there at first. Well, you know what? During COVID, no choice. We're doing it, right? And uh, we've learned that you can get owners to go along with it. And so we're never going back. I'd like to talk about opportunities today. So we start 2021. What are the opportunities out there that are for the taking in the property management industry? And I, I think it'd be a good place to start to kind of put that into context. What do we mean by opportunity? How do you define it? There's all kinds of things going on. And, you know, one of the things that we were talking about just this morning, you know, this morning I, I was telling you, I went to breakfast with Todd Orkside and he's, uh, I hear the word opportunity. I think of him because he's put together this, this revenue generation program and I'm not trying to promote what he's doing. I think I, I back what he's doing. I believe in it. But the point is, you know, that's an opportunity for us to look at our business to say, okay, how can you monetize self-showings? Just like what you mentioned a minute ago. Well, the way you monetize that as an opportunity is you don't have to pay out leasing fees. You don't have to pay out for a leasing agent if you can figure out a system to do self-showings. And it's not like you have to recreate the wheel. You just turn to any market in the U.S. and say, well, what are you guys doing for self-showings? implement what they're doing and watch how it works for you and your market. The mindset is what people, what people allow to get in their way is the mindset of, I can't do that in our market. Our That's owners right. don't want that. Okay. How, how many of your owners don't want that, right? It's the 80, 20 rule. And even if you boil that down, it might be closer to, you know, 95, five rule that a certain owner doesn't want to do self showing, but then you get into the, conversation with that owner and say, well, look, we have to do it this way. This is how it works. This is how it works. This is how you're, you're backed up and this is how you're protected. That's an opportunity to, to streamline and better your business model. Not to mention all the other cool stuff that you know we've implemented uh, just in the last couple of years. And the big one is always going to be remote team members. You know, we see that as a very, very hot topic now. And one of the things that COVID forced us to do was get leaner and use more remote team members. And so that's been a hugely positive thing for us at Rentwork in San Antonio, the business that I own, is we were able to redesign how we did business. We were straight portfolio commission-based type of a model to where we had one person doing a lot of different things. And then we went to a team-based system. And that turned out really well because if one person leaves the team, you can quickly replace that person yeah. and never really lose a beat. And that, and that was huge for us also when the, the I, I don't want to swear on your show, but when the crap hit the fan in San Antonio and it was a it was a rough deal with this winter storm, everybody that was working remotely for us, either in the region and or outside of the country, all did their jobs to perfection and more. A lot of them even stepped up further because imagine the maintenance calls that we had during a crisis like that. So and what I'm trying to tell you is I think there's, that's one of the huge opportunities going on right now is there's a lot of buzz going on with remote team members. I think that's part of the COVID situation. I like what you're saying because when people talk of opportunities, they sometimes automatically think, okay, what ways can I make more money or what can I do to, to make my company more profitable, generate more revenue? But it's not always about that. It can also be about efficiency gains within your business and making it run more smoothly so you don't miss a beat 
you know, ever, right? I'd like to try something here. Do this little, I'm going to call it a lightning round, but you don't have to answer the questions really briefly, right? Because I want to dive into this. The industry has all these new buzzwords. You've already laid a couple out, right? And so what I'd like to do in this lightning round, if that's what you want to call it, I'll throw out a buzzword and we'll get you to react to it. We've already heard one, you, you mentioned it, virtual showings. So the virtual showings is, to kind of put that into a definition, is you're allowing prospective tenants, prospective applicants to self-show the home. And so what you end up doing is they, they can either call in or email in and or fill out a form online, and you're giving them a code to let them access the property themselves through a lockbox. And so some fun stuff on this, right? Uh, we were using a uh, there, there's lots of services out there that you can do that self-showing sure. stuff with, and I'm not going to promote or, or mention any of them, but what was going on is we were using a electronic, you know, satellite connected lockbox, and those ended up starting failing. They started to fail for us quite a bit. And so we got to the point of, okay, this is, this is getting embarrassing. Uh, we had showing agents that were bringing their own batteries to the field uh, we had showing agents that wouldn't show properties for rent work because we used those lock boxes that were literally working mm-hmm. one third of the time. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was really bad. Okay. They were failing a third of the time. So we ended up going back to mechanical, dumb lock boxes, like the kind you can buy the, with the master locks or whatever. Right? Yeah. <laughs> it's been a, yeah. Yeah. It had been around for a hundred years. And again, going back to the mindset, people were like, Oh no, you can't use those. You know, what if somebody breaks in? I'm like, well, if they're going to break in, they're going to kick in the back door and break in. It's not going to be because of a lockbox that I put on the front door handle. If they want in, they're going to get in. So don't be afraid of virtual showings. Don't let your owners be afraid of virtual showings. In today's world, you can build the processes around screening that potential virtual showing person. You let them in the property in a certain window. You call them to follow up. And if they make sure they turn off the lights and they close the doors and lock it, you can do all that within a time frame where it's a process. You know, you're not just giving somebody a code and say, yeah, go over there and, and do whatever you want, whenever you want. Now, there's always going to be safeguards to that. So don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to make it like sound super easy, but don't be afraid of it because 99.9% of the time it's going to work very effectively. It's going to allow you to lease your home faster. And if you or I, Bob, we're leasing a home, you would want to conduct a virtual showing. That's the bottom line. Do you want to wait for some agent to drive across town to turn a key for you just to take a look at a rental property? Well, I can tell you the answer for me is no. I don't want to do that. And it was really irritating if you had to do that because this is today's world. Now, you think of the other side of that. When you go rent an Airbnb or a VRBO, what happens? They give you the code. You access the property on your own. You leave when you're done. Everything's fine. Yeah. So it's, it's a, it's a thing now. Yeah. And oh, by the way, it's safe from a COVID perspective, no need for social distancing with uh, an agent and all that kind of stuff, because there isn't one there. All right. Uh, you touched on this one too. You mentioned remote team members. They're sometimes known as virtual assistants, right? Are we talking about the same thing? Tell us about that. What is it? And why is that an opportunity? So the remote, I call them remote team members because to me, virtual assistants is, is, it doesn't explain enough what they do. Right. They really are part of your team. Because to me, a virtual assistant is like somebody you can use for one hour a week mm-hmm. for them to balance your QuickBooks or, or write a check or pick up your dry cleaning or whatever. Now, remote team members, they really are part of your team. And so we embrace them, we adopt them, we put them on our website, we include them in on the meetings, uh, and they do a lot for us. 
And ours are, quite frankly, they're all in Mexico. And we've had a lot of good luck with that. Uh, we've got some of those remote team members going on four plus years with us. And so it's been a basically a, just a life-saving event for the business to create those systems and procedures to where they can be done remotely. And that remotely could be done here in San Antonio, working from home and or anywhere in part of the world. And it's really amazing nowadays because, you know, you've seen in your area and part of that California stuff is people are moving out of the city. And this is all over yeah, the country. I'm not just saying California. But it's all over the country. They're moving to you know, the suburbs and or the country. And you know what's driving that? It's internet. Internet is driving that. Because if you, Bob, can do your role or your job at your work anywhere in the world, why would you want to go live someplace that's potentially dangerous for you and your family when you could live somewhere that you potentially want to live and still work? That's been amazing to see. And then the broadband is going to be continuing to expand that in remote team effort. Because, you know, for example, uh, you know, a big company called RealPage, they're, they do propertyware and some of the other the systems that, that work out for uh, the property management industry. Most of their sales force is working from home now. You know, this is how the world is turning. So I use them as an example just because I see them quite a bit. And I understand that they're all working from home and they're all doing the same thing or better than what they were doing before in person. So it is a new world and it's kind of an exciting time. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, let's get into something that's a little more nebulous, artificial intelligence. We're hearing that a little bit in our industry. Yeah, I think you're going to see a little bit more of that come up and it's mostly for lead gen and or the basic questions that need to be answered. I don't know if you're ever going to really see it do much more than that. And what do you think? Well, it's it's tough to see where it fits in. I think it's related to the next buzzword. So let's get them both out on the table. Uh, process automation, right? I think there's a little bit of an overlap there. Do you agree? I do. And um, the holy grail of our industry is workflow automation. And that's what everybody wants. They want, they want to where somebody applies, that goes to person A, person A touches it, they do what they're supposed to do, then it goes to person B in that order. It's workflow automation. So somebody comes in on a Monday morning, we have you know, 25 tasks to knock out that are all on a dashboard. And that's sort of what artificial intelligence is, but it's not necessarily intelligent because there's somebody behind it pushing where these diagrams are going and all these, these spots are going to be happening. Now, you know, it's ever changing, so I don't really necessarily know too much about it to where how it's going to affect the property management industry because we are service-based industry. I just don't know how much it's going to really change what we do other than potentially doing some customer service stuff and or just lead generation type of things. I mean, are you seeing something different that I'm missing? No, not really. I mean, I, it's interesting. People ask me, well, what about process automation? What about uh, artificial intelligence? I go, well, we use it every day. I mean, the, the, the most basic example is our auto attendant when somebody calls the office, right? <laughs> Push one and this happens, right? And then call gets routed. And if that person's not available, maybe that goes to another person. Eventually the phone gets answered and, and directed to the right person. I mean, that's a really simple example. Chatbots are another one, right? A lot of people are putting chatbots on their websites, and that's all a form of artificial intelligence and process automation. My point, and I think you brought it up, is, hey, this is still a relationship business. I think it's going to be next to impossible. And I also think that because of the fragmentation of this industry, it creates a level of insulation that is going to keep us safe for the entire duration, however long you want to say. Because... It boils down to a service, and the service is dependent on the the local market, and the local market varies every single market that you're in. 
So it's never going to be something that any any entity, no matter what, uh, we can't just slap a label on it and say, this is how you do it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, this one uh, could be multifaceted too, but zero-touch leasing, another buzzword. The zero-touch leasing became a word with the COVID. And we've been doing this for three plus years, at least. And the concept is the tenant or applicant, the applicant never has to come to the office. Nobody ever has to meet the applicant. And the applicant never uh, has to really interact with the office in person. So let me walk you through this and you'll get it. And you already know this, but I'm just kind of walking through the audience. They apply online. They pay you a security deposit via wire in or some sort of electronic ACH, payment. Yeah. They sign a lease agreement electronically. All that's done through electrons. Uh, they communicate with you via phone and or text message. When it's time to move in, they go straight to the home via a lockbox, access the home via lockbox, and then move in. There you go. Mm-hmm. Okay. The same can be true in the exit. They could do a lockbox move out and exit without ever having to come to the office to give you keys. Uh, all the stuff in between there, they can do an inventory condition form and some sort of walkthrough. Uh, they can do repairs. I mean, all that zero touch leasing as that walkthrough in the first few steps is not that difficult to do. And now in the COVID world, it makes a lot of sense. And another thing I, I always tell people is on the leasing side, if you, you know, there are some old school thinking ways of thinking to say they want to meet with each applicant, they want to meet with each tenant, and they want to see the tenant face-to-face. They want to work with them at the kitchen table and have them sign a lease agreement in person. You know, a couple of challenges there. One, you run into the fair housing stuff, okay? You could be accused of, of favoring one person or another person, and favoritism is discrimination, Yeah. right? That's the fair housing mantra. The other side of that is you're acting like jailhouse attorney if you're sitting across from somebody trying to explain to them what an actual termination clause is, for example, because what if you explain that wrong? Yeah. Okay. I've never been a big fan of trying to sit there and explain a lease agreement to a tenant because it's going to be, there's going to be disclaimers all over it that says, take this lease agreement to your attorney. It is a legal document. Have them review it and explain it to you. I don't want to be their attorney trying to explain a document to them. All that's done through electronics lease agreements now where they can have all the time in the world they need to review that lease agreement in detail. There's no pressure of a face-to-face meeting. You know, they can review that lease agreement at their leisure within a certain time frame. read it, read it, read it careful, and then sign when they're ready. So there's benefits to both sides of that. You know, if you and I, Bob, are renting a home, I don't read anything. You know, you're probably bad as me sometimes. <laughs> Give me the lease, sign, 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 bump, boom. I'm, when can I move in? Where do I, you know, how much down, how much a month? Right, the whole buying a car thing. And that's what you're going to find in leasing, zero touch leasing, is people, you're giving them what they want. You know, if you look at it like that, it's a service aspect. Give them what they want and make it happen for them. Yeah. Help, help me get there from point A to point B faster. Right. And to your point, the whole process can be automated the application, the screening piece, the lease itself, the move in inspection. We didn't touch on that. Right. There are automated versions of that where the agent can go ahead of time, like do the inspection, right? These 360 degree cameras, send it electronically to the tenant for signature. Boom. Okay. Here's your lockbox code. If you have any comments, once you move in, let us know. You got three days to give us your comments on the, on the inspection. Good stuff. There's so many different little things that can improve a business. Do you ever hear uh, feedback from property management companies? God, that's a great idea, but my employees will never go for that. Now my staff doesn't want to change. All the time. And it could be about, it could be about one little thing. Um, 
And so part of this is you have to do things kind of by committee. Yeah. When I say that is like, hey, gang, I have a great idea to do this one thing in the business. Let's take a look at this. Let's brainstorm on this together. And let's find a way to implement something like this into what we want to do. So, for example, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a detailed analysis on this one because we just implemented something called the maintenance service package. And so this is mandatory for all of our incoming owners that they are opted in. There's really no opt out, but we charge them X dollars per month and we give them all these goodies in return called a maintenance service package. Now it's on our website. It's not anything I'm trying to hide. We fully disclose it to our owner. We now have had two plus months of this being in our system. But going backwards a little bit, backing up and talking about it, is I came up with this idea. It's kind of like the reverse of a resident benefit package. Yeah. Well, this is for this is for the owners. It's called an owner's maintenance service package. And what we did is we brainstormed it. Like literally, we went into the office in the conference room. I have two big whiteboards behind me. I started writing down, this is what we want to do. This is what we want to provide the owner. This is the value that they're going to get. You know, an annual inspection, annual HVAC inspection, just all the goodies that were thrown in there. And for that, is it fair if we charge this, X? And that's where we went back and forth with the staff. Everybody got to add in their two cents. And what I did was I got buy-in from the team because everybody got to contribute. And so I think that's something you want to consider if you're looking at implementing any sort of new idea, any sort of new business process, is get the team involved in that decision-making process and let them influence in which direction it goes. You know, sometimes you also potentially just have to make the decision. The gang, we're doing this, right? Yeah, right. And you can't you can't let the, the inmates run the asylum. Is you sometimes have to just say, nope, I get what you're saying, I get your concern, but we're still doing this. Yes, we're going to upset one or two or three owners. We'll deal with them as they come up. But the other 97, 98% of the owners are going to be just fine with something like this. So I think that we have to just kind of go forward and get the mindset that we can't be afraid of these new things that can improve our business. I think that's it. I think that's the mindset. And sometimes I could be accused of this. I come up with these ideas, kind of like you're talking about it, these aha moments from the networking I do in the industry. And so I, I go off and I brainstorm it and I talk to my buddies around the industry and I start to piece it together and I come up with what I think is some structure, but I've been spending some time on it. And then when I introduce it to the team, sometimes they look at me like, are you nuts? You know, they, they, they don't get it. Right. Cause I'm sort of springing it on them. And so I like your approach, bring them in, you know, Hey, I've got this crazy idea. I, I think it can work. Help me formulate it. And then you've got the buy-in you know, because they've helped create it. Yeah. Another good example is we had to recreate the, uh, the sales process. So mm. when I, when I say that is we looked at how many, you know, one of the points you and I were going to talk about is real estate sales. Yes. Well, you know, what we ended up having to do this year is we had to revamp the sales process because we looked at what we've been doing the last couple of years with the inventory home. And I'm talking about homes that we manage. And when that owner slash seller decides that they want to sell, but well, we've only been capturing just a small fraction of that business. Same. We just, we just were not doing enough prospecting. So one of the things we did is we created a three-page plan and we brainstormed with the team. This is how we're going to do this. Uh, I've got involvement from the business development team, from the operations team, from the accounting team. And we're also going to be taking the Mike Connolly approach. Now, Mike and I did a podcast a while back when he's a property manager up in the San Francisco area. Yeah. And the genius move they were doing was doing two sales comparative market analysis every year for every owner. Two CMAs for every owner every year. And you're thinking, why would you do that? Okay, why? Because top of mind, 
you know, do you want them to sell? No, you don't want them to sell out of your inventory. But if they're going to sell, maybe they'll sell with you. And then maybe you can sell that home to another investor where the home never leaves your inventory. Yeah, we've had we've had homeowners say to us, hey, I've got a real estate agent. I want to put my house on the market. And we're kind of like, well, why, did, why don't you use us? And they'll be like, well, we didn't know you did that. Right. <laughs> that's, the, that's the biggest kick in the teeth you get in this industry. We get, to, I know. Right? And we were used to get that a lot. And then it's one of the things we're, we're fighting an uphill battle, but part of the process is you put those, those two CMAs every year in front of these sellers, in front of these owners, and just constantly barrage them with, Hey, we sell homes, we sell homes, we sell homes. And so we went through some systems and some design on hiring a couple key agents that are going to help do this, building a commission split, building their programs, building out their processes, and then, of course, potentially even hiring more remote team members to assist them mm-hmm. overall with the intentions of, one, capturing more sales. That's the number one thing. And two, when we do capture those sales, sell those homes to another investor to let the home never leave the inventory, right? Capture more business. Don't let those homes ever leave the inventory. That's all we really wanted with our sales system revamp. And so we're now on you know month two or three of doing this this year. Here we are at the first of March. And so we're only going to really know if these KPIs have, have improved after another six months or a year. But again, the hot market, you know, yeah. we haven't even started talking about the real estate market yet. It's just, it's just stupid hot right now. What's going on there? Yeah, no, it's really hot in, in California too. And it's an opportunity. This is a big one for, there for the taking, but you know, it's not for everybody, right? Not all property management companies want to do this. It sounds like you're working on this too. I think we need to get better at it and understand how to do it and how to kind of manage a house account. That's kind of what you're talking about. The ones who you already have in your portfolio decide to sell versus opportunities that maybe come in from the outside or other people, you know, and how do those differ and get sold within the business? Hey, how about opening new territories? I think you did that, right? So I was, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a failed uh, greenfield if you would call that a term. So, okay. Well, well, this is cool conversation then. Cause you know, I mean, it's an opportunity that's there, but it's uh, again, it, it can be, it can be challenging. It, it can be. And so this is three years ago, I decided to do what we call Greenfield Austin. Austin's only 90 minutes from San Antonio. I decided, mm-hmm. okay, I'm going to open up its own little faction up there. Uh, open up, you know, try to get a property manager, hire some staff, do some keywords, websites, lead generation, business development, try to build that from absolute scratch. And we only ended up building it up to like 15 or, or so units. And one of them was a problem child mobile property owner that we're just like, we're fed up with. So at the end of the day, we ended up shutting it all down. We, we mm-hmm. turned over to the other property management accounts. We fired one owner. And so we only managed a couple of homes up there, but we no longer advertise. And so what we discovered was often is a very niche market. I mean, you have to kind of be there in there from there to really crack into it. And I'm not saying anybody else can't make this work. You can totally make it work in any other market. From our experience, it was a real challenge uh, just because of all the dynamics in a new market. Now, San Antonio is completely 180 degrees different. It's military city. It's got a turnover. The churn turnover rate is different. Uh, It's the mindset. The numbers are different. The the price of home in Austin to to rent for 1,500 bucks a month is going to be 400,000 versus 200,000 in San Antonio. So it's just a different market all together. And so what we ended up doing is just like, okay, throw up our hands and say, you know what? Uh, I think this is not going to work. We're going to, we're going to advance to the rear, as they say, and make a retreat. And we just backed out of the option altogether. That's our, that's our, you know, failing story in a nutshell. Well, you know, Brad, I mean, you also have to set your priorities. You can't do everything. You have to pick which which initiatives you're going to push on and which are the opportunities you want to chase. And maybe it's this year 
push it on sales, maybe next year at something else. Because uh, I know there are so many different opportunities out there, and it's uh, you, you can't you can't be all things to all people. What about HOA? Have you have you dabbled in HOA? I did, and I'm I'm another failed story on that one. Okay, because um, you know five six years ago, I opened up a HOA faction of management. We got two accounts and managed those for a little while, and quickly discovered that it's challenging. And then to grow is super challenging. The reason is in our market, and I know people love HOA management at a certain level. Scott Brady actually loved it. Uh, there's other doctors yeah. that uh, have been, been and successful at it. For us, what was going on is a lot of work in the beginning, very little return. You're dealing with nothing but of a, a group of Karens that all they want to do is nitpick about who's parking <laughs> their car where. Uh, what happened with us, and this is what we discovered, is we couldn't build the business as well as we wanted to because the HOA communities, they have their HOA board and they have been working with a property management company, HOA management company from day one assigned to them from the builder. So they walk into it with already an assigned management company. And unless there's something really egregious or awful, why would they want to switch? There is no motivation for them to switch because we're not saving that particular board member money, right? They get the board money funds. They have, they're working for free as volunteers or whatever. They're not actually making anything or saving anything by changing management companies other than giving themselves a whole lot of extra work. So it was just mm-hmm. so daunting for us. Now we ended up defending, okay, good. We tried that, uh, tried the Greenfield method in a different market. I'm just going to focus on residential homes here in San Antonio and be very, very, very good at that. Yeah, no, I think that's good to be razor sharp with your focus or rifle shot and not try to be too shotgun. Uh, one one more here, and then we'll head towards uh, wrapping up the show. In-house maintenance. So the in-house maintenance deal, uh, I've gone full circle on that as well. And so we used to have in-house maintenance where I had two technicians on the payroll in my office at all times. They had company vehicles. They could go, and, they could go around here, there, everywhere. And at the end of the day, when it got slow in the winter, uh, basically, you're just paying them to sit around. So what we ended up doing was we they naturally kind of went away. Those guys went back to the apartment complexes and whatever. They went on their own way. You know, and we said, you know what? We're going to do a third-party vendor everything. So we just use third-party vendors, and we can cycle through them or without them. You know, Because if, if you start using an HVAC contractor and they start sucking, well, you just fire them and fire them. Okay? Yeah. So that's been working well for us. Now, where I think the, the line in the sand is, is, we just had a couple techs. So we were small. We were only really doing servicing for ourselves. Uh, we couldn't really go out and service the general public. We couldn't really go out and service other property managers. So it's just for, for servicing the, the homes that we manage, which I think limited us and also kind of precluded us from really turning the corner and making a profit. So where I'm going to make a point is, say, super small, like with one, maybe two technicians, or go super mm-hmm. big. So a dozen, 15, 50 technicians and 50 trucks, they go out and service everybody in the community. You know, general, you're like a general public contractor, service other property managers, go get those Home Depot and Lowe's service accounts, you know, and become an actual service maintenance company. With maybe you have HVAC, maybe you have plumbing, all that stuff. So if you get stuck in that no man's land where we were, it just doesn't work. You know, it just doesn't work. I mean, you can make it work. You can force that square peg into a round hole. But what you want to do is kind of let it flow naturally with business 
Uh, again, it's either stay small or go big. That's kind of the bottom line. Because we know property managers, you and I, that have really big maintenance companies. You know, a couple dozen yeah. packs, a couple dozen trucks, and they kill it. They absolutely kill it. Yeah. That's just a separate business. I mean, it's it ties into management. You know, one of the things I really, really like and I want to do in the future is get into some sort of pool maintenance. Now, in our market, we have lots of in-ground pools. And there's only so many that we manage to have in-ground pools. But there's also pools that we can maintain outside of our management services that I think is a very, very good recurring revenue business. I love the recurring revenue business model, such as, you know, your property management, right? It's all recurring revenue. Yeah. Well, so is pool management. It's recurring revenue. They tie right into each other. I'm a general contractor and I have a, a separate business called Maintenance Sync and their Maintenance Sync is our primary uh, maintenance vendor, if you will. But uh, the concept that you've talked about to the point where it's a big operation where you're servicing other PMs or maybe you're servicing HOAs or do-it-yourself landlords with their own portfolios. I've thought about that a lot. My issue is my core competencies in the property management side, right? Like you, <laughs> that's kind of where I want my business to grow or managing properties, helping people manage their portfolios, selling their portfolios, buying properties. Then all of a sudden, if you've got this other organization, which is a maintenance company, and that's requiring X percent of your attention, it just seems like it could be super challenging. Yeah. To build it up to where you can have a general manager underneath you, you know, to, yeah. to handle that faction, that's really the end goal but that's right. You, know, you got to do, you got to do the legwork. You just got to get in and dig in for six months to a year to build it up to where it could run itself with one key leader. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, Brad, I always like to ask my guests to tell a personal story. And so hopefully you're up for this today. I love it because we get to know you a little bit as a person and an individual. So got something for us today. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the story that kind of, you know, touches me on the business slash personal side is, you know, we suffered a large embezzlement, uh, now that we've discovered it, it, it happened several years ago, and it's going on three years now since we've discovered it. We're talking a six-figure embezzlement from a key person in my business. Wow. And, you know, when that was discovered, it was pretty devastating because that key person was pretty close to, you know, everything. You know, pretty one of the first persons that started with my company. Yeah. And so he just we discovered that that person was, you know, basically siphoning off funds. And I'm not going to get into the details as far as any of that, but, you know, that that kind of pushed me to look at things in a different manner with the accounting side. You know, I really adopted the the mindset of Ronald Reagan of trust, but verify. Mm -hmm. And so we built in, you know, I was, I was one of the key people that started the NARPM accounting standards with NARPM because I was the, the head of the chair because I had been personally victimized by bad accounting. Wow. I mean, it was my fault, hundred percent my fault. I don't, I don't want to say I'm not pushing blame on that person. It was my fault for not discovering that, you know, month one and doing something about it. So it's all on me. And so I'm trying to make sure that people look at this NARPM accounting standards and say, okay, that's got some really good guidelines in there for checks and balances and doing different things and procedures to make sure that these things don't happen. Forget about the embezzlement. It's going to catch the, the accidental pure mistakes, right? The unintended, you know, honest mistakes. That's what something like that, having a backup in your accounting system will do. And this could be for any business, any person, is ensure that your accounting is up to snuff. And if you don't understand what it is or needs to be, seek out assistance to say, how can I make my accounting better? Right now, my mother-in-law is doing my accounting. And, you know, for example, and people <laughs> say, well, my mother-in-law is great, or my cousin, or my brother, or my sister, or my spouse. Well, does your spouse never make mistakes, right? Do they, they forget to carry a zero once in a while? I mean, that's why you need oversight. And so we built that into the business. 
And I say it's a personal story because, man, it's been it's been painful, you know, going through a civil battle, going through, you know, this this legal battle in the courts. Uh, yeah. You got a criminal case pending. I mean, it's just it's just been a nightmare. And at the end of the day, you know, we had insurance claims and all this stuff. It, it's been difficult to deal with, man. And I hope nobody ever has to go through that because it's been a, a nightmare. Yeah, I think particularly companies that have trust accounts are somewhat susceptible, right? I've heard attorneys get that a lot too. Law groups can suffer embezzlement opportunities from egregious employees who do bad things. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. So kind of one of the one of the catchalls of that, Bob, neat little thing is a lot of folks are turning into the preferred tenant program, like a no security deposit option. Mm-hmm. And so that's become a trend along with the zero threat leasing is a lot of property managers are getting away from charging security deposits. Yeah. And so I predict in the next couple, three years that you're going to see a significant reduction in the way people are charging security deposits, if at all, because all of the laws in your state and my state are tenant favored for security deposits. So the tenants can, can just get done one little technicality of a snag over a security deposit and get all they want. Yeah. You know, and then the attorneys see that and they're like, oh, this is a big target, big property manager. Let's go after him oh, for triple this and triple that because they missed one thing on the security deposit, mm-hmm. right? Or whatever. And so I think a lot of us are getting to the point of, all right, we're not even going to charge a security deposit. We're going to charge you monthly. Yeah. And then we're going to bill you at the end like a hotel. Uh-huh. So if you destroy the place, we're going to send you a thousand dollar bill and you're going to pay it or we're just come after you in collections. Hey, Brad, I would love to continue. I've got a hard stop coming up here in a bit and you've been great for coming on the show. I'd love to hear a little bit about PMMCon. If you've got a minute to share what's up with it, when is it going to be, what's the show going to be like? Sure. So the Property Manager Mastermind Conference is going to be going on in May 2021 in the Grapevine Resort in uh, excuse me, the Gaylord Resort in Grapevine, Texas, Dallas. Okay. It's always Dallas, Texas, May 2021. Go to pmmcon.com to learn more. The biggest thing about the conference really is it's going to be a second iteration. It's a fantastic event with a lot of masterminding built in. That's the part of it. So it's a property management mastermind. So we've got scheduled seven plus hours of small group interaction. And these groups are going to be anywhere from 30 to 50 folks, you know, in a small room after we do the main stage stuff, all the cool speakers and presentations, we have the breakdown into those small groups. And that's where the facilitators kick in and just create that magic of like, what do you do? And this is what we do. And this is how I learned from you. And that's where it's really going to be an awesome conference. In addition to our annual award banquet, that's going to be Friday night, the 21st, black tie event, going to be an entertainment, open bar, plated seating, live band. It's going to be a fantastic deal. So visit pmmcon.com. Uh, the trending uh, issues going on right now is, is it going to happen because of COVID? Well, I feel as of today, 1st of March, that Texas will go maskless, will remove that mask mandate sometime in the next 30 to 60 days, which is going to make us have an opportunity to have a mask-free, mask-free situation going on in May for our own conference. And that's going to be fantastic to where people can get at it like real adults again, right? Mask free. So look forward to seeing you there, Bob. I hope, I'm hoping you can make it. Yeah, God, I'd, I'd love to, man. I, I'll check it out and I'll try to get there and it would be wonderful. It could be mask free. Awesome. Well, listen, any last words or thoughts for our audience about pursuing opportunities and how do you, how do you prioritize? We got to wrap up, but I just want to get some last thoughts. Oh, we could talk all day about that type of stuff. There's just so many opportunities. Yeah. I know, right? And overall, just take into account that this business of property management is fantastic. You can build it up to where it can run itself. You can build it up to where your employees have a great career with your company. 
And it's all going to be a very situation. It's a great situation to get into an industry that's insulated from some of the crazy stuff. You know, I was having a debate this morning with Todd Orstad about talking about, okay, is, it, is Zillow going to come in and crush everybody? Well, you know, his idea is maybe it could, maybe it would. I'm more along the lines of, well, I don't think it can because of the stuff we talked about potentially earlier in the episode. But I just wanted to kind of give us a positive outlook for going forward in the future that I think we're going to be in a very good situation. Take advantage of the sales that are coming up and watch the market do its cyclical turns here and there. But in the end of the day, we're going to be around doing what we do and providing a good service. And if someone wanted to learn more about RentWorks, where would they go? How would they do that? Oh, you can visit us online, rentworks.com, R-E-N-T-W-E-R-X.com. And I, I, I send people there all the time just to copy the stuff we're doing. You know, <laughs> I copied everything that we do, you know, but we're a full disclosure website. So if you have questions about some of the resident benefit packages or anything like that, you can go to our website and learn about them. I go there all the time. You got a lot going on on that website, right? I mean, it's something like, whoa, this is a, this is amazing stuff. Hey, awesome, Brad. Hey, thanks again for coming on the episode. Really, really appreciate it. And as we wrap up today, I'd like to make another quick plug to our listeners to please click on subscribe. Give us a like. Also, pay it forward with a positive review to help encourage more guests like Brad to come on our show. Brad, I want that thumbs up that review from you too. You got to do it. I'll, I'll trade one back. Hey, that concludes today's episode. Thank you for joining the property management brainstorm show until next time we will be in the field working hard for our clients to maximize their rental income and maintain top tenant relations. And we'll see you next time.